Welcome to the High Performing Human Podcast, where we talk about how you can reach your potential as an athlete through nutrition, fitness, recovery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Hannah Boyle, registered dietitian nutritionist, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of the High Performing Human Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about sleep. So, I was always the kid that said, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Let's grind till the finish. Like, I'm just going to stay up all night. I'm going to get up early. And I've come to realize that as an adult, I can't do that. (laughs) It doesn't work out as well as it did when I was 16, 17 years old. So fast forward and my biggest piece of advice, my biggest takeaway from that whole thing and kind of learning from that is that sleep is completely underrated. And the more I learn about sleep, the more I realize how correct that statement is. I started really diving into more about sleep when I learned how it affects recovery, when I was trying to look at school and work and everything. And I realized that I was falling into these habits of not being fully awake, driving to uh, my internship. And that was scary. Anyways, I learned the values of sleep. And then I also listened to uh, Matthew Walker on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he literally scared the sleep into me. Like if you want to learn about sleep and if you want to have someone scare it into you and learn why you need as much sleep as you do and the different types of sleep hygiene and stuff like that, go find Matthew Walker online. And I mean, there's a ton of other people out there, but that's the name that sticks out to me. That is the person that really kind of hit home for me when it came to my own sleep and making changes for myself. So like I mentioned, I had the whole sleep when I'm dead mentality, like I didn't need it. I had almost like FOMO of missing out on things if I did sleep. So that has since changed. And so for me personally, um, I don't have it on right now, um, but usually I wear a, a, it's called BioStrap. It's a um, health biofeedback recording device, a lot like a Fitbit or an Apple watch, but I utilize mine mainly for tracking recovery and workouts and heart rate and stuff like that. So when I was utilizing that, and I remember, um, I went to Indianapolis and I was staying there for a couple weeks and just based on what I had going on, I was getting more sleep. I was going to bed earlier. I was waking up at more regular times and I saw a huge change in my heart rate, in my heart rate variability. Everything got so much better when I focused on sleep. And so that was a really cool thing to see. Like I remember looking at the graph that happened over the course of that two weeks and it just completely blew my mind how much the only thing that changed was my sleep and where I was sleeping. And we'll talk about sleeping in foreign places and stuff like that too. But the only thing that changed really was my sleep. I was pretty much eating the same thing, all that kind of stuff. My work environment changed a little bit. Um, But yeah, that was the big thing. Sleep made a world of difference. 
I know that our intern that we have right now, Philip, he mentioned that being a student athlete and living with roommates and um, on a college campus that the sleepless nights, he could definitely tell a difference of how his recovery would go depending on how much sleep he got. And I'm sure you all have similar experiences and can kind of see where sleep, I mean, it does play a role, obviously, but it's really understanding how much of a role sleep does play to understand the importance of it and prioritize it. So the two main forms of sleep that we have are REM sleep and non-REM sleep. So non-REM sleep is divided into its own stages. And in non-REM sleep, we have deep sleep stages. And this is where we're going to have increased blood flow to muscles. We're going to have tissue growth, cell repair. This is really where all of the recovery stuff happens. Now, the deep sleep is what we really want a good portion of. And if you do have any type of sleep tracker, you can kind of track to see how much of your evening is in deep sleep. But what we want to look at is what is disrupting that deep sleep? So I also mentioned earlier sleeping in foreign areas and that can actually cause us to have disrupted deep sleep. So if we're sleeping in an area that's not familiar to us, even if we get a large amount of sleep, the quality of sleep is just not the same. So then we move on to REM sleep and this is where the dreams happen. So REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. This is where you dream. A lot of information leads us to believe this is also um, has benefits with memory, uh, learning, and problem solving. So those are kind of the two types of sleep. And really, you know, if you are tracking your sleep, it is important to look at how much time you're spending in deep sleep, how much time you're spending in REM sleep, what about light sleep, all that kind of stuff. So what I want to talk about is a little bit of sleep hygiene, a little bit about how to get your best night's sleep. And because we are on the High Performing Human podcast and because a lot of us are physically active, well, I want to talk about how activity plays a role in sleep. So for me personally, I notice this leaps and bounds. And I say this as I'm recording this in the evening, and I know that I haven't worked out yet today, and I know that I'm going to work out in the evening, and I know that it's going to impact my sleep, but I know that I need to get some movement in today just for my own sanity. Anyways, so activity later in the day can make it more difficult for you to wind down and more difficult for you to sleep. So for me, I love to exercise in the morning because I notice that it gives me that boost of energy. For me, activity has a very, very, I'm very sensitive to the hormone changes that come from a physical activity. And that will cause me to kind of be wired. So what is recommended is normally that you complete physical activity about two to three hours before you plan to go to sleep. However, I know that that's not always possible for everyone. And I know that some people react differently. However, if you do notice that you are have having trouble sleeping, look at where your physical activity falls within the day. So it's you know recommended to complete your physical activity about two to three hours before you finish sleeping or before you go to sleep. But if you are exercising at lunch and you still notice an issue, well, okay, let's kind of take a look at maybe caffeine intake, 
take a look at when your activity is. Can you adjust your activity at all? Honestly, if you cannot adjust the timing of your activity, maybe that's when it comes down to adjusting your nighttime routine to help you wind down, to help you kind of fall into that more sleepy state. So that way you can continue to do your physical activity, but it doesn't have to affect your sleep as bad. Another thing that can affect sleep is sun exposure. And this might be something that is maybe opposite of what you think, but if you are out in the sun for at least like 30 minutes a day, that kind of helps set your circadian rhythm. So that can actually help you to fall into a pattern and that sun exposure can help you with sleep. Also, exposure to sun first thing in the morning helps to kick on those cortisol hormones, which is, helps wake you up. And that will actually help to move you towards a better circadian rhythm as well. So for some, it's recommended that in the morning when you are, you know, driving to work, you actually don't wear sunglasses. And that is a to make sure that you are getting that direct, direct sunlight. Your eyes are a great, great way to get sunlight into your system. And obviously we don't want anything damaging. I don't want you staring at the sun or anything, but you know, using your visor, depending on how your car fits you, if you're short like me, sometimes that's a little bit difficult, but using your sun visor versus sunglasses so that you're not blocking those rays completely. So that way you can get some of that natural sunlight to help with your circadian rhythm. Also looking at vitamin D status too. So obviously our bodies can make vitamin D from the sun. So that's also another reason why sun exposure is important as well. So for me personally, I have a alarm clock that actually replicates the sunrise. So about 10, 20 minutes before my actual alarm goes off, it starts to brighten. So it starts at a very low light and it starts to get brighter and brighter and brighter until my alarm does go off and that simulates the sunrise. You can also do the same thing where it simulates sunset, where it gets darker and darker and darker. So that can help to adjust your circadian rhythm as well. So also speaking on light and how light affects sleep, artificial light sources are going to be something that are detrimental to sleep. So we've heard this before, you know, we have the now, you know, suggestions that you should, you know, remove devices uh, or stop looking at screens so long before you go to bed, um, the blue light blockers, all that kind of stuff. But things that you definitely can do is reduce your screen time before going to bed. I work with a lot of clients that have issues sleeping that like an hour before bed, we put away screens. Um, utilizing those blue light blockers. For me personally, uh, the glasses that I wear for work because I'm at a computer so much, um, they do have blue light blockers in them. Another thing is to turn as many lights off as possible in the evening. So if you can get away with just doing very few lights, a lot of people will use hue lights so that um, they're warmer tones that don't have, give off that blue light frequency. Um, I've even heard of some people only utilizing like candles in the evening. So just turning down those artificial light sources to help your body realize, okay, it's time to go to bed. Let's produce some melatonin. So that way we can get to the point where we are ready to sleep. So that comes down to what your sleep routine looks like. So for some people, 
they watch TV until they go to bed. I know that that's how I grew up. I had to have sound. I had to have light. Like that's how I fell asleep. And it's still sometimes how I do it to this day. Um, but getting yourself into a good wind down bedtime routine is key to help you kind of find that circadian rhythm and make sure that you are getting a good quality of sleep because it's not only like, okay, am I tired, but how are we winding down? And that can affect your quality of sleep as well. So great things to do before going to bed, reading, uh, stretching, like doing a little bit of yoga um, that can really help calm down your central nervous system and help you fall asleep. I really love to meditate before I go to bed. So I uh, definitely have to have a white noise machine or a fan on when I sleep, or there has to be some kind of background noise. I really can't sleep when it's silent. Um, but what I've been doing lately is I've been using the Headspace app and I've been utilizing their sleep casts. So it's like a 45 minute like story with um, background noise that's normally very soothing. And normally they take you through like a wind down exercise, whether that is, you know, breathing techniques or visualization techniques. And I find that to be super helpful as I'm winding down. And if I'm having a hard time sleeping, that normally really definitely helps. One of the biggest things that people need to realize about creating a sleep routine is that it is very important to try to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day, even on weekends. Honestly, sometimes it, and actually for the most part, I am going to recommend people find a schedule for their sleep before they focus on how many hours. So if you are uh, setting a schedule for yourself and ideally you are you know, trying to get eight hours, so you go to bed at 10 p.m. and wake up at 6, 6.30 a.m., say one night you don't go to bed until midnight. I still want you to try to have that same wake up time to try to keep on that circadian rhythm. Because I don't know about you, but there have been times where I mean, I'll admit it. There was a couple weekends ago where I slept until like 11. No, actually it was like noon, 1 PM. And so then my sleep was completely off and I had a very hard time falling asleep. And then the whole rest of my week is off. So really try to keep a schedule and that should be your first priority. And then working after finding that consistent timing with sleeping, going to bed and waking, then work on making sure that you're consistently getting at least eight hours of sleep a night. One thing that is an important piece of your bedtime routine is, and this I found very, very interesting. If you are having issues falling asleep and you are laying in bed for longer than, I've heard 15 minutes, I've heard 25 to 30, um, I would probably say 20 minutes. If you're laying in bed and you cannot fall asleep after 20 minutes, you need to get up, do some type of activity that is relaxing, um, whether that get up, go into your living room and read, um, get up and, you know, walk around, maybe do some dishes or something. But what you want to do is make sure that your bed is associated with sleep. If you're laying in your bed awake too long, your body starts to associate that location with being awake versus being asleep. And that can be detrimental to your quality of sleep, as well as getting in that pattern and being able to fall asleep in the future. So when it comes to athletes, 
athletes really do need eight to 10 hours of sleep. There's no questions asked. We need more of that deep sleep. We need more of that recovery time. We need more time to let our body do its thing and repair. Also with limited sleep, and I read a specific study that had to do with like high school athletes and teen athletes, but uh, this applies to everyone. There are more acute and overuse injuries. So acute injuries being like more traumatic, like you know, breaking a limb or tearing a muscle. So there are more acute injuries in those who do not sleep enough. So at least eight hours and even chronic injuries or overuse injuries. So thinking like stress fractures or, you know, just overusing a muscle, like not necessarily like a traumatic um, muscle tear, but something just overuse and over soreness and all of that kind of stuff. It is increased in those that don't get enough sleep. For the most part, I would recommend that. I mean, obviously everybody's different. Everybody has different training requirements, but if you have an option, you should not be training on any less than six hours of sleep. Honestly, shouldn't really be training on any less than seven hours of sleep, but Six hours, if you sleep for six hours or less, you should not be training. Your body is not in a place to where it is going to adequately take on that um, external stress. It's not going to take on that load and be able to help you perform the way that you need to. And that's especially where injuries occur, where our bodies are not recovered, where we're kind of, um, I mean, you, you guys have, you know, been overtired and, you know, when you get to the point that you can feel like mentally that you're tired. I mean, I always say like when I get, when I don't get enough sleep and I'm overtired and I can just like, feel like my face feels heavy. Like I feel like I've drank too much. Like I know that something's off, like your body is going to recognize that you are overtired and you haven't recovered well before you're going to physically feel it. So we want to make sure that if that's the case, which is most of the time when you're getting less than six hours of sleep, that's going to be the case. And we want to make sure to not overstress our bodies if we can. So that kind of sums up what I wanted to talk about sleep. The biggest thing is that it is underrated. People don't take sleep seriously enough. And there are so many things that we can do to make sure that we prioritize sleep, have good sleep hygiene, and take into account some of those things that I mentioned. Try to create a nighttime routine. Try to limit your screen time in the evening. If you do have issues falling asleep, you know, take into account that 20 minutes of laying in bed. If you need to get up and do something, you know, give yourself light exposure first thing in the morning, just simple things like that. And I think that you guys will really find that that helps your recovery and helps your performance. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to let me know and I'll talk to you guys again next week. Go ahead and give me a follow on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at HPH Nutrition. And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon.